Are you in HR Department of One trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, my friends. Grab your coffee and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. I'm your host, Brenda Neckbottle, a 20-year human resource professional ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new best practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hello and welcome back to the Best Practices in Human Resource podcast. This show is designed to help you take the guesswork out of understanding the human resource component and push through the ambiguity of this changing landscape. We are in the people business after all. I'm Brenda, your host and a practicing HR consultant. I've seen a lot of different things done a lot of different ways, and I'm here to help you weed through the abyss of human resource information and take out the stress of defining your best practices. So who is this podcast for? Well, it's for anybody who's in a position of managing human capital in a micro, small, or growing business. There's a great deal of compliance that needs to be met, and having the information and the guidance to implement it month over month is key. If you are a returning listener, my gosh, guys, thank you so much for your continued support. You know, the further that I go along with this episode and this podcast series, the more feedback I'm getting. And you know what? And that's just awesome. So thank you guys for continuing to tune in time and time again. I really do appreciate it. I'm so grateful that you continue to join me in on this adventure. If this is your first time listening in, I've got another really great show that's going to help you move your HR objectives forward. So today in the studio, we have Lola, the veteran comfort dog, who may chime in periodically, who actually yesterday surprised me in the middle of a thunderstorm and decided to climb up the stairs, which she doesn't do, and come sit behind me. (laughs) And uh, also who may chime in is her uh, assistant champ, the lovable wonder dog. But most importantly that we are going to talk about is today's hot topic. Uh, We're going to talk about employment law changes across the nation. And today's episode is going to be a departure from everything that we've done so far. It's going to be a ton of fun. I mean, seriously, you're going to laugh. And it's called The Funny Things Employees Do uh, with my very special guest, uh, Chira. She's on with us. Um, We're going to have some announcements towards the end. I'm going to tip you off on a couple of free resources and then also close the end of the episode with the quote as well. So anyway, before we move on, um, definitely want to make sure we put out there that the information available through this podcast is for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing legal advice. You should contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respects to any particular issue. And if you do not have an employment attorney, you may contact us and we may be able to help refer you through one through our affiliates program. So today's hot topic is a little bit of a complicated one. Um, This is, we're going to talk about the EEO1 pay data rule uh, that the stay has been lifted. Now I want to explain to you what this is. So any company that has at least 100 employees or more is required to file an EEO1 report. In addition to that, government contractors who qualify 
may also be required to file an EEO1 report as well. So <clears throat> if you don't know if you're supposed to file one or not, don't hesitate to reach out to us and we can provide some clarification for you. I'm happy to do that. <clears throat> so here's a little background. So on February 1st, 2016, the Equal Opportunity Commission proposed revisions to the EEO1 report data collecting process. The proposed revisions resulted from a multi-year effort among the EEOC and other federal agencies to identify ways for improving how the enforcement or the enforcement of federal laws prohibiting pay discrimination. The proposed revised EEO-1 report has two parts. <clears throat> Part 1 would collect the same data that is gathered by the current EEO-1 report. That includes the employee's race, ethnicity, gender, all separated by individual job categories. Part 2 collects data on the employee's W-2 earnings and hours worked. It is the opinion of the EOC that the access to this type of employee pay and hours information would improve administrative investigations of possible pay discrimination that contribute to persistent wage gaps for women and minorities in the United States labor market. Also, under the proposed revisions, <clears throat> covered private employers and contractors would be required to report the number of employees employed in each of the job categories by ethnicity, race, and gender, but is also to require or to report for each job category the number of employees falling within 12 different pay bands. Covered employers and contractors would also be required to report the aggregate hours worked by employees in each pay band for the last 12 months sorted by ethnicity, race, and gender. The purpose is to allow analysis of pay differences while considering aggregate variations in hours. So the reporting was to take effect back in March 2018 beginning with the W-2 data collected. Then in 2017 a stay was placed on the provisions. Now let's move forward. <clears throat> We're going to move forward to November of 2017. The National Women's Law Center or otherwise known as the NWLC and the Labor Council for Latin American Advancement filed suit against the Office of Management and Budget of the Equal Opportunity Commission and other government entities to reinstate the requirement that certain employers submit aggregate pay data and hours worked with their annual EEO report as well as the traditional demographic data which is already submitted. The reason why this new reporting requirement is so hotly contested is that the means of achieving the results is very controversial. And I remember when this came out, we had lengthy conversations um, <clears throat> at a legal symposium around something like this. And I can pretty much tell you, you're probably never going to see anybody who gets more excited about going to a legal symposium on employment law and government contracting than me. <laughs> I find it absolutely fascinating. It's amazing how much I learn. Anyway, back to this. <clears throat> so the data would not take into account factors that actually influence pay. That was one of the biggest concerns. And, I'm, and during that time period, there was a lot of really digging into what exactly is this going to mean? And why is, why is all of a sudden we're running into this wide broadening collection of information when really it, there's a lot that goes into making determinations around how a person is compensated. Also, there's an imposed burden on employers who do not experience any connection or crossover between payroll system integration and democratic data that 
that effort to put that information will be absolutely significant and would definitely put a burden on the employer. So that's basically if a company has uh, segmented systems like their payroll system and their HRIS system don't talk to one another, that's a lot. That's a lot for uh, a company to put together, especially the bigger they get, which typically when they're larger, they do have systems that talk, but that's not always the case. So the provision was put on a stay, <clears throat> which means that it wasn't going to proceed by the White House until it could be further reviewed. And a great number of us in the HR field were really, really happy about this, uh, especially those of us that were in government contracting at the time. Now, let's jump forward one more time, and we're going to jump forward to today. The advocates who are for this reporting revision went to court, and the federal district ruled that, well, the federal district court ruled that the Office of Management and Budget provided inadequate reasoning to support the decision to stay the data collection. So basically what that means is that OMB did not provide enough of an argument for the stay to continue in place. And that also means the previous revised EEO1 form has been placed back into effect as ordered by the judge and the surveys are due to the EEO by May 31st versus the normal filing date of March 31st. So this information just recently came out <clears throat> and it would be an absolute three, four week scramble for most companies, actually three week scramble for companies to put this stuff together. So the EEO has backed out this date to the report, the EEO and required report to be filed by May 31st. So there is, however, some confusion if the pay data is required by May 31st or if it's in 2019 will just be the launch year for reporting the required information. All right, so another question, the big question of the day, so what does this mean? So every time we introduce these little sections and segments, it's like, what is, okay, so what does that mean and what does that mean? Okay, so here's this. In my professional opinion and in the opinion of other human resource professionals I have spoken to regarding this new requirement is that the EEOC will now be obtaining pay data information, potentially making determinations against employers without truly understanding the full context of what goes into an employee's salary. I mentioned that that was the overarching concern before. The concern is now back on the table. This also means, <clears throat> and again this is in my humble opinion, this also means that companies are being forced to surrender pay data without any means of causality and the EEO could decide to analyze the data and take unprovoked action. Now it's like being accused by your parents of doing something wrong without actually doing something at all. And that's that's my humble opinion. Now, right now, the EEOC has not announced that they are going to do that. But the way things work in our world in the field of human resources, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And I'm not referring to the EEOC suddenly going to make a decision for no reason that they're going to take all this data and going to start analyzing like that. That's not it. What will happen is that there will be some reason, some case, some complaint that's going to get filed that's going to have the EEOC revisit that information and so far to my knowledge and I'm only going to speak to my knowledge I have not yet seen anything in writing verbally anywhere that indicates that the EEOC is not going to take the data that's being submitted and arbitrarily analyze it 
<clears throat> there's just nothing out there that promises that that's not going to happen. So, and, and I'm not, let me, let me also explain something here real quick. I am not against the EEOC. In fact, <clears throat> I think the EEOC is probably the most effective, efficient government entity that we have out there right now. Their process is clean. It's clear. They move through it with purpose. I, I really do honestly think that the EEOC does a good job of what they do. And I say that because I've been on, you know, the end of working with clients to where they've gotten an EEOC complaint. And, you know, what has, what we've been able to present has come back and you know the EEOC is very reasonable and so what we've been able to provide is position statements very clear information as to you know what our position is and you know again in HR right you're gonna if you haven't learned it already you will and there's two sides to every story and the truth always lies somewhere in between so the EEOC has come back with what I have consistently felt to be very reasonable determinations on what has happened. So, especially with employers that really want to make, you know, a positive influence in, in what they're doing. So, I'm not a person who engages in political conversation. I'm not going to now, especially on this show or any other show that I'm going to be on, I just don't go there. But however, this is in my humble opinion, it opens a door for the government to enter businesses without provocation and find fault. Especially businesses, again, who are wanting to do the right thing, they're compliant, but are now placed at risk of being snared by incomplete data and a questionable form of assessing what it actually means. It's going to cost small businesses time, money, and vital resources to defend that position when there's no reason to be in the argument in the first place. So my prediction is, is that we're going to see the issues in court in the future, and it will be likely to be waged on a front of a company who will be negatively impacted by this particular type of breach. So for those of you who have never completed an EEO1 report or are not sure if you qualify or even want to outsource the process, we have a very reputable recommendation in our affiliates program. The company's name is Outsolve. I've had a working relationship with them since 2012 and have referred several clients who have had nothing but a great experience with them. So Outsolve's menu of services also include affirmative action planning, OFCCP audit support, mock audits, compliance consulting, affirmative action training, adverse impact analysis, compensation analysis, EEO1, and VETS 4212 reports, and as well as diversity reports. So you can find Outsolve's information over on the website at bestpractices.work by clicking on the affiliate section and locating their icon. So mark my words, when we're talking about this EEO1 reporting data and the complexity of it, this whole topic, promise you, this isn't over yet. And eventually this is actually going to wind up going to court. So stay tuned because there's more coming on this, mark my words. Okay, so let's talk about employment law changes and headlines across the nation. So in the state of California, the piece rate law is being upheld by the Court of Appeals. So for employers who pay at the piece rate, please make sure that you are updating yourself on what all is going on with that. And if you are going to be negatively impacted or if you are actually um, hopefully you're not in violation of it, but if you are, change your practice and make those little adjustments and you should be just fine.
Also in California, uh, the landscape of sexual harassment training in 2020 is changing. Uh, so California has very specific requirements surrounding sexual harassment training and sexual harassment policy. So employers, I encourage you to start making your changes and provisions um, while you have this uh, enough time to plan ahead. I mean, you got a pretty good chunk of time right now to, to do what you need to do in order to make sure that you're compliant for 2020. Also in New Jersey, uh, the state is actually making moves towards implementing consumer privacy and security laws. And this is going to be really interesting. Um, let's see how this pans out. So that the bill actually starts to give consumers control over their personal data privacy. Which is a nice relief because, to be honest with you, our digital footprints are just everywhere. <clears throat> Over in Wisconsin, uh, the new governor has actually proposed medical marijuana uh, legalization and possibly looking at that state, maybe another state to flip over to recreational marijuana usage as well. So definitely keep an eye on that. <clears throat> Over in Washington State, uh, Washington is looking to increase the salary requirement for exempt status in, uh, employees and make other changes at the state level to white collar exemptions. Now we've already got a lot of stuff going on <clears throat> with FLSA and um, what that is going to look like um, as a nation and the information hasn't rolled out. I haven't yet talked about it. I'm actually waiting for something more definitive um, at the federal level but um, again Washington is looking to make those updates and then also in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So we've talked about patchwork law before, so this is a really good example, and we're going to talk about it again. But over in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh now requires accommodations for pregnancy for both the employees and the partners as well. So I, I know I've talked about patchwork before, but it's a great time to review exactly what it is. So patchwork law refers to the unique state laws in place or on a particular topic, and we'll use recreational marijuana as an example again. So basically not all states adhere to the same restrictions at the federal level, creating visual patches in the legal landscape of the U.S. fabric of law. It's a metaphor, but it's one that is creating significant challenges across the country. So by us providing these types of legal announcements, um, we're making employers aware of the application of state patchwork impacting a specific legal stature or structure. So it's nothing new. Um, we've seen it in the 70s and 80s with the legal drinking age that differed from state to state. And then eventually the federal government leveled that playing field in 1984 by passing the National Minimum Drinking Age Act. So it was reversed of what we are seeing today. So the Drinking Age Act was to standardize a legal limit, whereas patchwork law tends to offset the number of states adhering to the same legal standard at the federal level. It gets tricky and in some cases expensive for the employer, which is why I'm bringing these changes to into the show at the high level. So for those of you who own, operate, or serve in the HR capacity, you can do your research and make t adjustments as necessary. And as always, if you have questions, you're welcome to reach out and set up a time to call and talk through some of these challenges. All right, our guest today is Sharon Chira. Uh, she, or as I call her, Chira. She is the founder and president of Chiracom, a boutique communication strategy and business development consultancy specializing in the healthcare, nonprofit, and military sectors. Her work has earned her a devoted client following as well as a number of communications awards. Her subject matter expertise in storytelling and managing crisis messaging has benefited Fortune 500 companies to celebrities. A published author, she's currently working on her second book of The Genesis of a Warfighter. 
entire spare time is spent traveling, learning jujitsu, and mastering <laughs> the perfect loaf of bread. <laughs> so, welcome, my dear. How are you? Well, thank you very much for that warm introduction. I'm great. How are you? Good. Okay, now, you, I'm wonderful. Thank you. It's beautiful. Oh, my gosh, it's been sunny outside. Uh, the trees are starting to bloom. It feels like spring, and... Ah, oh, it's fantastic. So, so yeah, you. I'm sorry, but before we get into this, you have to tell me about mastering the perfect loaf of bread. <laughs> well, let me just give you some background. Probably even 10 years ago, I couldn't bake to save my life. In fact, I tried to make a loaf of bread and I ended up using it as a doorstop. It was so dense. <laughs> so this has been my pursuit in recent <laughs> years. <clears throat> and I just tried a new recipe for white bread, Amish white bread. And it rised in the little loaf pan and then I put it in the oven and I must have jostled it because then it collapsed, but it was still <laughs> delicious. So I'm, I'm still on this journey, okay? I have not perfected it, but damn it, by the end of the year, that <laughs> is my goal. You're gonna get it, there you I'm go. So basically, you had Amish flatbread at the end of the day, pretty much is what it was. <laughs> An Amish tortilla, if there's such a there thing. There you go. If there is, there is now. <laughs> All righty. Well, so as you guys know, today's show, this is this is a preemptive, fun show, out of the norm, um, talking about the silly, funny things that employees do, ultimately, pretty much to get themselves fired. Um, you know, we've got April Fools coming around the corner. Um, you know, people are itching. It's the uh, it, we're getting to the end of winter. People are, you know, they just they're getting antsy. They want to go out, but you know what? Employees, we're dealing. You know, look, guys, we're in the human business, which means that people do things all the time, and they're very, very unpredictable. So, we're gonna have some fun with this. So today, <clears throat> what I'm gonna do is, um, Chira has no idea what stories are gonna be coming at her. So. Um, I've picked some good ones, and with her background in communications, public relations, you know, our, our backgrounds, you know, the, the, the things that we need to do in business tend to intersect, so, you know, damage control is a big one, you know, I, you know, HR, we work on the internal side of damage control in partnership with damage control externally, but then, you know what, we also have to craft the right message internally as well, and, um, you know, in larger organizations, um, when they have that kind of staffing, usually that partnership does tend to exist to make sure that um, the communication is unified and um, it's accurate, which is always another good thing too. So, so these are some really good examples of how their stuff can intersect. So none of these things, I guarantee you this woman is outside of her realm of experiencing at some point in time especially when you're talking about crisis management. So we're not talking about the sad stuff. We're actually going to talk about the really funny stuff. And um, so it, it's it's going to be fun. This is – get ready for a lot of laughter because we do cackle quite a bit when we're together. So um, I'm, I'm pretty scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll be fine. Okay, you guys ready? All right, so you ready? So here's your warm-up, okay? Okay. All right. So, <clears throat> my wife had to fire a Guitar Center employee because he came to work late. His excuse? He was wired up all night from smoking catnip, and he wanted to feel what cats feel. <laughs> the problem was he was a dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, 
in the state of Nevada, we have legalized marijuana, uh, you know, catnip marijuana. I'm not sure what the difference <laughs> is. I'm not sure what his trip was. But I think that was a good call by the wife. I don't know. Yeah, I'm right on. No, I'm, I'm right on. I mean, you know, look, here's the deal. We've got, you know, that is definitely something that, you know, this country is up against. And, you know, I'm not really quite sure how old this, this particular story is. But, you know, I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, we, we have recreational marijuana usage now throughout the United States. And, um, you know, this reminds me of that movie Calendar Girls where the son, uh, Miriam Helen's son in the movie gets busted for trying to pass off a dime bag of oregano. Oh, you know, I did not see that movie, but yeah. I've heard these tales before. So <laughs> it must have been a young kid and they probably wanted to get rid of him anyway. But why catnip? And I really would be curious what was his total experience with that? I have no idea, but apparently he was wired all night, so it was a stimulant. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so there's your warm up. Okay, so that's that's a pretty good example of some of the stuff that we're talking oh, about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so here's the next one. You ready? <clears throat> okay, an employee suddenly started crying. Oh, let's try that again. I can't even say it right. <clears throat> An employee suddenly started crying, quickly packed her personal belongings, and then she said she had to leave because her mom had a heart attack. Her mom lived in another city, and she didn't know when she would be back. Two weeks later, we find out she's been working at another company. <clears throat> she returned to work, and we confronted her. She admitted to receiving a job offer with more pay and wanted to try it out. While explaining that she didn't like the other job, after all, she started to unpack her box at her old desk. She was fired on the spot. <laughs> I'm just trying out this job, so hold it, because I'm going to leave real quick, you know, and be discourteous and not do my work. But, oh, yeah, I'll be coming back. Maybe. So just hold the spot warm for me. <laughs> We're just going to stick a bookmark right here. <laughs> well, you know, I would hate to, if she was a surgeon or something and she would stop the case and go, wait a minute. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Somebody grab the scalpel. Uh, I got, I got, oh, my mom just had a heart attack. Sorry. <laughs> oh. Well, I think in any position anybody would have, you, you know, there are two issues at hand. The, the fact that she basically quit on the spot. And more importantly, she lied about it. Mm -hmm. um, that's, a, that's a big problem. So you don't want people like that on your staff anyway. Um, but that's unfortunate that she felt that that was the only way to get out of her job. Because I think, because you and I deal with the soft skills of communications, mm -hmm. there should have been a period of time where she was discussing with her boss or leadership about maybe some of her frustrations and you know <clears throat> when employees make up these kinds of stories first off it's it's disheartening um you know to anybody <clears throat> that somebody would go to that extreme you know and it, and it's funny it, you know people don't often have courage to say what's on their mind and at the same time you know this is in, in my humble opinion this is demonstrative of you know, her own individual self-interest. So not only is there a lack of integrity involved, but, you know, then her own self-interest is kicking in. But, you know, years ago, um, I'll, I'll tell you a really, it's an unfortunate story. <clears throat> um, my ex-husband um, went to work one day <clears throat> and they had an employee. He was 18 years old. I mean, just really barely out of the shoot on life, right? 
comes into work and he said, my grandfather wants to talk to you and talk to the manager. Now, they had released him from work and his grandfather came in, sent his grandson back out to the car. So his grandson's sitting out in the car. The grandfather starts laying into the management of this location, this particular location. And this man was so worked up, yelling at the top of his lungs. They were right at the edge of calling the police. Well, they did wind up having to dial 911. But unfortunately, he collapsed and he had a heart attack because of his outrage. Now, the this, what has actually happened was is that the grandson hadn't report for work for two weeks, and they they released him, but the grandson told him that his employer just flat out terminated him for no reason. Yeah, I yes. mean, live with that one. Oh, and so the grandfather died, I assume. Grandfather passed away right then and there, and right <laughs> then and there where he fell. Yeah, that is one heck of a lesson you get at eighteen years old. Yeah. Um, Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> so lying is bad. Lying is bad, but I, I think it really reveals something more fundamental. Why are you afraid? Now, I can understand a younger person who maybe, you know, is unsure about themselves in the world, much less in the workplace. Mm-hmm. But at some point, we have to exercise those parts of our character that it's okay to question and it's okay to, okay to assert yourself and represent yourself because during that two way you're going to hear how you can improve and maybe your work life will improve and you'll like your job better when you say hey you're you're using me as a secretary right now and really what I am is a publicist mm-hmm. so if you can articulate that in a professional appropriate way with good timing, you might get a better outcome and you might be happier, learn more. And then if, when you're ready to depart, you do it the, the proper way. Yeah. So, yeah. man. Yep. Well, so I would be curious too on the ages of these people that you're talking about. Obviously the 18 year old, I knew that. Right. <clears throat> but like this, this girl who just packed up her stuff and, is going to help an ill mom. I just wonder if there is a, a, a you know, they're largely young. Although, mm. character, you know, poor character can be in old people too. Well, you know, I've seen it too. So, I, I mean, I've seen it at all, at all ages. It's yeah. kind of, it's kind of interesting. So. And are we seeing more of it? That's my question. You know, kind of with social media and faith. <sighs> society now are we seeing people not really honing their character bone yeah and yeah i would well i so no matter what you do you're honing you're you're honing your character but we're not talking about like character and rising above right we're talking about you know character not being defined as you know noble or full of integrity or doing what's right that's that's not i mean you're becoming a character (laughs) (laughs) put it that way and this is you know not to you know you know half off and start you know knocking people down that's that's not the intention but you know it's very easy to hide behind technology and you know when i work with clients to set policy one of the very first things that i tell them that they need to insert and really get after is when you put in your handbook when somebody is supposed to call in or they're supposed to communicate 
this means that they don't send a text. They don't send you an email. Um, and, and this is really more towards the front line. Mm-hmm. They call. Because if they don't call, it's the employer's missing out on an important opportunity to, one, maintain that relationship with the employee. And number two, they don't have the ability to say, no, you need to actually come in today, which an employer has every full right to do that, especially if it impacts the flow of business and scheduling. If somebody's just like, ah, yeah, I'm feeling a little funky today. I think I'm just going to take it easy. It's like, you know what, we, we're we dying out here and we could really use you. Can you at least come in for, you know, two to three hours? More than likely, the employee's going to go, yeah, sure, I can do that. Um, you know, if they've got a dismembered limb, then, you know, it's like that kind of goes without saying, don't worry about it. We got this. You just stay home and rest. But no, uh, no you put a tourniquet on it and you that's come right. I just put a butterfly bandage on it. You'll be fine. Take so. an ibuprofen and on your way. <laughs> so, you know. Okay. So you ready for the next one? Yes, ma'am. Okay. At my pizza place, I had to fire a guy because he called in sick and then ordered pizza for a party using his employee discount. <laughs> I can probably relate because I did work at a pizza parlor. I'm not sure if I did this. Maybe that was one of my lessons. Oh, well, did they, one, give him the discount? And two, was it worth it? Because now, you, yeah, you may have saved $3.26. But now you don't get to make that money you were relying on for your rent and your food. Uh, <laughs> How old are these people? I don't know. <laughs> oh, here you go. Actually, we have a few more than I initially planned. So, okay. So here's a good one. So while I was working at the McDonald's at the time, <clears throat> there was this guy that we called Frank. Well, no one could pronounce his name, so that's how he got that. <clears throat> he was an overly relaxed type of guy, and the following happened. Frank was working on the drive-in section. He had to fill the bags. He got hungry, so he decided to eat a chicken nugget. Now, instead, <laughs> now, instead of doing this in a quick and stealthy way, he decided to open an already packed chicken nugget box and take the nugget out. He did this right in front of the window so the customer could clearly see what he was eating and that he was eating the, the customer's food. The manager also noticed, so I heard this scream from the back going, what do you think you're doing? And this guy's reaction was priceless. He had the nugget halfway up his mouth. He just stared at the manager, not angry, not defiant, just this deadlock stare, and he bit down, eating half of the nugget, still staring at the manager. He proceeded to chew amazingly slow <laughs> while putting the other half of the nugget back into the box and closing it. <laughs> and have a nice day. And then he's still staring at the manager, puts the box into the customer's bag, and that was his career at McDonald's. <laughs> oh, yeah, I would, okay. <laughs> I I wonder what the customer was doing. Well, they must have been gobsmacked. I would have been out of there. <laughs> how how often does this happen? And you know what? I don't really go to McDonald's or fast food, but if I do, I'm going to check before I leave. Pretty <laughs> happy eating nuggets in here because. <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, I can just imagine seeing this guy slowly just like a it's like a bad slow moving horror story. Just. <laughs> Nugget hanging out of his mouth like what? <laughs> you know? And you know what, folks? If you're wondering what an HR pro sounds like when the 
these stories come at us for the first time, just replay the last 30 seconds of our laughing, and that's what goes through our head. It's, oh. it's true, because we have to deal with these issues. You know, we're laughing here because it's casual, and it and it's a fun, you know, to listen to the diversity of how some people get canned, and rightly so, but it really represents a much bigger issue when we're working for corporate America or for clients, and we have to now somehow that client who was in the drive-thru who's traumatized and who knows what's running through their head. Um, and then I'm thinking, okay, disease, it's messaging. How frequent is this? You know, it's it really opens up a whole succession of corporate and business involvement that has implications. And the bottom line mm -hmm. is implications are to your business. And that means to your bottom line. So small mm -hmm. pop businesses cannot afford to make no. these kinds of mistakes or hire people like that, no matter how desperate you are. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you know what? It, you know, in an environment such as, you know, a fast food chain, when you are dealing with frontline employees, <clears throat> you know, money tends to provide a different level of talent. And, you know, unfortunately, this is what you get. But oh. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. And you know what? I will even convey a story of mine. <clears throat> I just thought of this. I hadn't thought about this in a very long time. So when I was working for uh, a Fortune 500 company, we had a change in general management at the visit at the location that I was at and in comes you know the regional VP and and three of us were standing around talking and they had this guy's name we're just going to um, we're not gonna say his whole name but we'll just call him D how's that so okay. so anyway so this guy's name comes up and they said something really strange about that and I turned around and I said yeah, okay, what you just said is like totally normal for this guy. And and he was gone at this point. So it's not like we were talking behind his back. And, and I said, what are you talking about? I said, this guy was nicknamed Tall Tales. And they're like, are you serious? And I said, totally. I said, I I've got the whopper of them all right here. This man at the time, I estimated to be maybe about mid-50s. So I I can buy into the, the, the storyline that he served in Vietnam at that time because you know it would have totally lined up with generation okay got that total that i can buy into the rest of it is a big fat no and i couldn't believe i actually stood there listening to this conversation and 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 part of the reason why we we were he came up in discussion is because there was a general consensus of relief when this gentleman moved on to greener pastures and uh, and took another position with another company because it was kind of like how do you get rid of this one because it's just this is not working it, you know it was complicated anyway so um, so it was you know it was the easiest solution he just left on his own and so he turns around and and he tells me the story when we were out back one day and and he's like yeah he says well he says um, when I was uh, you know in the service over in Vietnam <clears throat> and I said really so how I said how long are you in the military. And he gave me some answer, and I said, well, what did you do? And he said, well, I started off as a SEAL. And, of course, back then I didn't know better, so I was like, hmm, okay. And then he said, then I became a fighter pilot. And I went, yeah, something's just not feeling right about this now. <laughs> and so I just sat there and listened to him, and he says, you know, we were in a heavy engagement, and I was, you know, flying along, and, 
you know, came in to do a strafing run in an F-4, you know, which is a pretty fierce aircraft, right. uh, warcraft. And so he says, we're doing a strafing one. He says, I took small fire into the co- into the cabin of my my plane and the round went through my leg so I was he was miraculously able to land and when he got down the medics grabbed him they wheeled him to the hospital put him into surgery and are you are you sitting down for this part Yes. Okay. I'm sitting down for all these parts. <laughs> okay. Well, you're really going to need to know. So according to him, and I kid you not, this came out of his mouth. He amp- They amputated his leg from the knee down, put it in a baby incubator, and had it sit next to him where he could sit there and watch his toes wiggle. <laughs> and then reattached it at a later date. <laughs> and by the way, it was on life support. Oh. Uh. Okay, so we've established he's a pathologic liar. Whoa! There, you know what? Speaking of that, I was at a dinner party once where this probably four foot nine guy <clears throat> um, was telling me, "Oh, I served in the service and I was in the uh, special operations." I said, "Really? Which special operations?" Oh, it was so special they couldn't even say. <laughs> but. <laughs> There, there are a lot of people like that. So how did the company, how, I mean, obviously you were glad to see him go, but did anything happen before he departed? Um, nothing that, to my knowledge, that Mm -hmm. there was the ability to, um, or he hadn't done anything. So let me say this. So not in the ability to, meaning that we were hoping he would do something or we were looking for him to do something. But there wasn't <clears throat> an ample justification other than the fact that the guy told tall stories. But he was that guy that was constantly talking all the time to where other people couldn't do their work. No, no matter how many times you redirected him, no how many times you you know, tried to get him on the path of productivity – he just was that guy, you know, so he wasn't necessarily, you know, a high bell ringer for, you know, selling, which he needed to do because mm-hmm. that was his job. And, you know, he was just, you know, a C player with an amazing uh, imagination. <laughs> and it just, you know, it, he was, he, he, you know, after at first when it started happening, it was entertaining. Mm-hmm. But then after a while, Nobody wanted to be around him. And, you know, and it just kind of started to suck the environment down. And that's really sad to say, because I remember when he interviewed and he was a great interview. So, you know, I know we're talking about, you know, funny stories and funny things that employees do that, you know, get themselves into trouble. But you know what? Some of these folks really come in and, and, you know, they interview well and, and these quirks don't come out until much later. And, you know just turns out that you know at the end of the day you just you never know what you're going to get when you when you have somebody coming in so but but do you though because so that's that's a couple of my questions because you're right a sociopath or a pathologic liar are the most charming and engaging and in an interview very often and they're very often in positions of great power uh because they they know how to manipulate people mm-hmm. through charm mm-hmm. and they know how to divine the temperature in the room and the right things to say. So they do get in the door, mm-hmm. but what does a company do once they have recruited? And I think, and, and this is the question really to you, you know, depending on the position that they have, I mean, this guy sounds like he just wanted a lot of attention. So hopefully he got mm-hmm. it and was recruited by Chuck E. Cheese and became their <laughs> 
their chief, their chief mouse, and you know, got all the attention it could tell as many tall tales as possible because people would just think, "Oh, this is baloney," and it sounds like it probably was. But, but what does a company do when they have engaged someone, and they're maybe sitting in management or the C-suite, and it's mm-hmm. clear that they've got some big issues? So those are good questions. So first off, so let's look at the C-suite first, okay? Mm -hmm. So typically, depending upon the size of the company, if it's a a more medium to larger size company, um, C-suite employees and personnel will actually probably be entitled in some fashion to an employment agreement, which means that um, their uh, entrance, their conditions of employment, their termination are written out in a way that if they were going to separate from the employee, <clears throat> there are clear reasons as to why that should happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it can involve ethics, it can involve cause, it can, you know, involve still keep them as an at will. Um, mm-hmm. Believe it or not, you can do that with an employment agreement. Um, but um, you can also have the definition of what cause is, or you can leave cause wide open. It kind of all depends on the state and the jurisdiction that you're in, as well as, you know, how how the company or how the attorney is guiding the organization to interpret cause. Okay, so typically those folks, you know, there's something in writing. Um, some, you know, sometimes you just don't know what you get. So, yeah, in fact, you have some. Now, if you don't have an employment agreement and they're 100% pure at will, um, you know, there's a couple of things that you can do. I mean, really, for anybody at any level, <clears throat> you know, if something just flat out isn't working, it's like this really is just not the right kind of connection. We need to break up. You know, it's like dating sometimes. It's, you know, then you can separate for loss of confidence or lack of confidence. And, you know, before any organization makes a what would be called an, uh, ad, you know, an adverse action, which is a knowing employment action taken uh, towards or on behalf of the employee, you definitely want to, you know, confer and, and talk to your employment attorney about it and make sure that you have the right legal strategy in place. And those conversations over time get a lot simpler <clears throat> for a couple of reasons. Number one, you've done this a few times together. Number two, you know the employer or you know the, excuse me, you know the employment attorney and the employment attorney knows the employer. <clears throat> they probably had a long-term, you know, relationship. If not, it's a short-term. But if you know how to talk to an employment attorney, this tends to go pretty smoothly. Um, if it is a very complicated issue, um, I had a, a, an a, a professor or adjunct instructor really when I was going through my bachelor's degree who was an employment attorney the guy was totally cool and he told us about a very classic case that he had down in Florida it was with a restaurant chain <clears throat> and this uh, man who was a CEO of an organization I have no idea which one it is so you know he didn't violate confidentiality but um, what this man did every day for three years was he grabbed his assistant threw her up against the wall licked her face and fondled her breasts for three years, every single day, and <laughs> showing up to work, she was in that position where she had no choice, and apparently she had no exit. So by that time, I'm sure she was so emotionally, you know, damaged that I, I don't understand her reasons for staying. But that's you know neither here nor there. So you know that was not a trait of this guy, <clears throat> clearly that they saw when they brought him in. But this was going on behind the scenes, and it wasn't until for a completely different reason that they installed security cameras that they actually discovered this. So, um, 
yeah, so the guy was a predator, you know. So, um, I mean, that's a stupid thing. To, <laughs> like, who does that? But, you know, but at the same time, you know, that was a huge lawsuit, massive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the board had to do what they had to do. So, um, so you know, it. so there's there are several things that, that can be done. You know, ideally when you're terminating somebody, um, you know, depending upon uh, the egregiousness of the situation, you definitely want to get the right documentation in place. Um, you know, <clears throat> there's a difference between somebody who's, you know, a, a you know, often offender in regards to attendance versus an employee who cold cocks and knocks out another employee. You know, it's <laughs> they're two separate things. You know, like one isn't you don't just write somebody up for the first, you know, for the second one. It's the first time. You know, it's like get them out of there. You know, kind of a thing. Okay. You ready for the next one? Yes, ma'am. Okay. This is a good one. Christmas is going to be really interesting every year after this one happens. <laughs> the sister <clears throat> had to fire my aunt. She got her job. Now, this these two women are related, okay? Right. <clears throat> she got her job at a call center for a cable provider. The aunt decided she didn't want to work for a few days, so she called in and said that her husband had died. Well, the sister found out when the co-workers were pulling money to send flowers, and it did not end well, and the uncle never knew he passed away. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like uh, good old Mark Twain said, rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Can you imagine finding out? You've been invited to your own funeral. He's probably like picking up the weenies at the buffet. It is really nice. (laughs) Ah, oh, well, yeah, don't do that. Because <laughs> you know what? Then you put that in the universe. That's what I would be afraid of, too. Oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. I thought that was, that one, when I first read it, really got me silly. Okay. So this is by far one of my favorite ones that I found. I mean, by far. Right? This is, to me, classic. Right. Got a call from another state asking if a particular person was working for me. <clears throat> when I said yes, they told me to keep him at work until the FBI got there. He was wanted for murder. Later, I got a call from the same individual's attorney wanting me to give him a good reference. <laughs> <laughs> well, he must have been let loose if uh, now he's like, okay, I'm sorry for the misunderstanding. I didn't murder anyone. Um, I'm going to call my old employer. They, they might have a bad impression of me. (laughs) Oh, my word. Oh, you know, you know, what's really kind of sad is the fact that you have a number of these cases. This is not like a random anomaly. This is, oh yeah. And then there's this one and then there's this one. (laughs) Are these from the United States or all over the world? No, these are from the U S unfortunately. Great. How many in Nevada so I can, uh, <laughs> yeah, you run. Oh my word. Okay. Next one. <clears throat> this is the last one from the employer side. And then I have one from the employee side. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is to me the cream of the crop, right? <clears throat> so one of our employees was very handsome and had a lot of charisma. Unfortunately, he used that charisma to his advantage and started having quote unquote relations with coworkers. Eventually, I started getting complaints that he was offering shifts to women in exchange for love. We had, ter- we had to terminate him. 
when it came time to light, let me try this again. We had to terminate him, and when this came to light, after two co workers became pregnant at the same time by him, once terminated, our receptionist found out she was also pregnant with his child. Oh my God. <laughs> well, that's why he was pushing for that maternity clause in the insurance, obviously. <laughs> I mean, talk about the Me Too movement. I mean, my word. Uh, and you know what I'd be interested in? Because girls that silly, and I call them girls because women, I would like to think, would think a little more <laughs> holistically. They, I mean, did they champion for him not to be terminated? I would imagine somebody took pity and thought, he can't because he's got three more mouths to feed now. <laughs> Oh, and he was offering shifts to women in exchange for love. That is the ultimate, ultimate definition of quid pro quo when it comes to <laughs> harassment, when it comes to sexual harassment. But is it if if women willingly, I, I mean, I know nothing's really black or white, but... I can't imagine he would have been so successful. And I mean, three that were obviously pregnant by him, but I'm sure there were others that had intimate relations with him or involvement. I mean, what allows, what were they thinking? And surely they knew, gosh, I have so many questions. (laughs) So many questions. I need to know. I need inquiring minds want to know, right? Well, you know, it, this, it, yeah, it, it, you know, I mean, this is, this is not only, so not only is this like that definition of quid pro quo, you're talking about a manager taking advantage of his entire, of his workforce. Of his flock. I, of his flock. I know. Right. So, I mean, wow. <laughs> you, you just, it just doesn't get more messed up than that. <clears throat> Oh, yeah, I just, I have, really, is there supplemental information on stuff like this, <laughs> or are you just <laughs> No, <laughs> no, unfortunately, I, I, I don't know. have the full I details. <laughs> I mean, you know, like you said, it, like, nothing is ever clear in black and white, you know, look, you know, there's always two sides of the story, and the truth lies somewhere in between all the time, right? Um but yeah, this is this is definitely one where it's like, yeah, I would really like to read the full case study on this one, but um, you know, I don't believe this was you know a, a case that went to court or anything like that. I think this was just like a. Can you imagine the drama behind all of that? I oh. mean, seriously, do you, can you imagine how much time and conversation and energy? took place behind closed doors between that guy's supervisor listening to the three women and I'm pretty sure they were all hormonal at that point in time. Sure. And upset and not knowing what they were going to do. And I mean God forbid if one of them was married. I, I mean, can you imagine the amount of energy that was expended in dealing with this and how much lost productivity took place at work as a result? especially in nine months time (laughs) you know it really is it it's it's terrible because you know you and I both know things are not black and white Mm -hmm. but when you sit on one side of the fence for the employer or the company it it does become black and white at that juncture in time and how you're going to articulate that internally because the rest of the staff 
sat by and witnessed, and I'm sure mm-hmm. there was a lot of scuttlebutt going on. So it, it doesn't just have implications for those three women who are now pregnant or probably long delivered since now, but but it's for the other part of the workforce that bore witness to this, some of whom may have been very productive and turned down advances. Mm-hmm. And you know, so it diminishes morale, certainly productivity. So how do you message internally? How do you message externally? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it has it has many implications. So it's funny to laugh about it. But for a business, they might not be laughing for a long term. No, <clears throat> no. And and you're absolutely right. I mean, what you know, in situations like this where. I refer to this as shenanigans, right? When I, t- when I talk to people about what's going on and you're like, I get this phone call, it's like, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe what this is going on. And I'm like, more shenanigans? They're like, yeah, totally. <laughs> and, you know, and it's a good word for it. But, that, but that's the thing is that shenanigans are often observed by mm-hmm. other people. You know, if, uh, coworkers are very observant. And, you know, it doesn't take rumor and gossip and conjecture to get, you know, the wrong information out there. Sometimes it's just by sheer observation. You know, it's clear that there was definitely going to be some sort of open flirtation going on in this situation. If they're in a call center, is that what, did I say they were in a call center? No, that was the, that was the, the dead husband, the dead uncle. So is that my, my, (laughs) that was with the other one. Uh, no, this one, okay, so this one doesn't say exactly what it was. It just said that there was a receptionist. Okay, so regardless of what it is, there's shift work involved, okay? So, you know what? That's a lot of movement that's going on, and different eyes are going to lay, you know, lay on different body language and overhear conversations. And, you know, it's like, God, work is a place to get away from the drama in life. It's not a place to, it's not a place to have its own, you know, just change its channel and stay tuned, you know. Oh, my word. Is it, though, Brenda? I mean, we both know. Sometimes work, I, heck, sometimes I leave work to, to get a break. <laughs> Let me listen to my squabbling kids. That's a break, people. <laughs> I welcome my Grumbling kids, but <laughs> but you know, but just watching that happen, right? Just watching that happen, and nothing is done about it because it's so blatant to people who see it, and yet mm-hmm. it's so disguised to those of a, a level of position or authority. You know, my number one rule, and I, I know you've heard me say this before, and I may have said it in previous episodes, but the number one rule in my life that I learned a long time ago from one of my supervisors, and I'm glad he repeated this because it is so true. In the absence of information, people make stuff up. Oh, yes. So when employees see this guy <clears throat> literally doing what he's doing, and they know about it, or or they're pretty sure that shenanigans are going on, um, you know what, it's, it makes leadership look stupid. And, but on the other side is that the employees that are seeing what's going on also tend to make an assumption that either leadership doesn't know what they're doing. Leadership Mm -hmm. is totally blind to it. Leadership is not going to do anything about it. Right. Those are three very common things. Mm -hmm. However, they don't know what kind of conversations have been had on the back end. Is it likely that if somebody knows what was going on, if this guy was talked to before, yeah, maybe, you know, it's, it's hard to say. Um, probably not since, because, you know, the volume <laughs> involved, but, 
<laughs> I would have to, I think that's a fair statement, but you know what, if this guy, you know, had a previous relationship with another employee and that person moved on and the relationship didn't last him dating somebody else in the workplace probably wasn't any surprise to anybody. I think it was probably a bigger surprise as to the number of people he dated simultaneously, but you know, yeah, you know, how do you know? It's just, again, you know, employees tend to really, you know, make things pretty interesting as a result. So, well, well, they must have known. And, you know, I mean, because that, that could have some really damaging consequences externally. So I, I can't imagine leadership didn't know. And I think that really speaks to the fact that when you create a company culture, when you are recruiting, that's where public relations very often comes in because the lines have, have muddied oftentimes with marketing, PR, HR, but we all work in concert very often. And the better companies that recognize, hey, we want to recruit people, certainly with these skill sets, but more importantly, the people who value integrity, mm-hmm. the people who value those those kind of character tenets, however they're measured by the employer, that are important to the employer that apply. Because I'm a big believer, and and I've seen companies do this time and again, you can teach someone the skills very often, but you can't teach them to care. Mm -hmm. You can't teach them to tell you the truth. And so, you know, that's a good opportunity (laughs) while they're revisiting (laughs) their medical insurance plan to... You know, maybe have some features that address the kind of individual we want working for us, the kind of support we provide to the leadership so that they're prepared to intercede much quicker mm-hmm. before it goes into something like this. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. you know, it also means that, you know, you, you hit a you hit the big word and that's culture, right? So, and matter of fact, uh, two of my uh, SEAL partners that I've been working with, we are launching our first leadership development course. And and this is something, an aspect of it that we're actually talking about in the classwork. And that is you got to know your people. You have to spend time. Now, you don't have to, right? No one's going to make you do it. Well, unless you work for a company that has that kind of culture, but you know what, you don't have to go into the weeds to get to know people, but you should understand what their quirks are. You should have a fair evaluation and assessment of what they're like, how they make their decisions, things like that. And if you don't, then you know what, you're not part of the culture. You're there just, you're just a manager. I mean, you're only there to manage productivity, make sure the job gets done, and you can check out at the end of the day yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a difference leading and managing. And so, um, goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's like a whole episode right there, but, (laughs) but, but, you know, it's hard to say, you know, again, just from this one paragraph snippet, (laughs) if, um, you know, how, how much this guy was well known, you know, how did he have, you know, was he given warnings before it's hard to say, but oh my, okay. So here's the last one. This one comes from the perspective of an employee. It's a very simple sentence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. oh, this poor person. <laughs> I was fired from a dog kennel for unknowingly playing with a wolf. 
okay. For unknowing, well, well I don't do know. Anyway, <laughs> I know. How did? Well, I don't know. That's all I got. <laughs> well, you know, I I love wolves, and wolves are different characters anyway. But um, oh yeah, they are. Somebody let them in. Somebody let that wolf in. <laughs> and obviously, somebody let the wolf in to that other agency too, with the three pregnant girls. <laughs> There's wolves everywhere. See, at oh. least he knew it was a wolf. He wasn't even in sheep's clothing. Get up, bump, bump. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all week. Try the veal. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my word. You know, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining. I, You know, this was out of the norm. Look, April Fool's Day is coming up, guys. Don't fall victim. Oh, you know, I should tell you the, so I mentioned before that when I was talking about Tall Tales, um, I, I the best, I pulled the best April Fool's prank on my most gullible manager I've ever worked for, who I love to this day. He's, he's still a fantastic guy. And nobody has gotten him as good as I did. And the job that I was doing, he's like, you know, I would constantly hear, he's like, I would not be able to function unless, you know, without you at this point, which I thought was great. And I thought, you know, that's awesome. I, you know, made me feel really good. But anyway, so we had this thing where it was just in the water and we had three groups of women at three different times, the three cycles get pregnant. So there was a cycle of three and then there was another cycle of three. And then there was another cycle of three. And so he actually told me I'm not going to drink the water anymore. And I mean, it was just, it was the most amazing thing I've seen. So anyway, so it's April Fool's. He has, he's totally forgotten it's April 1st. Because I kept watching him write down March 31st, right? So I knew I had him. And so I sat down, we're doing our daily, we're going through the list of things. And I said, you know, we got to do this. And I need you to sign off on this thing. And, you know, here's the answer to your question, blah, blah, blah. And I got something serious and he talked to you about. And he looked up at me. He's like, what? <laughs> you know, he was just not in the mood because I had already just dropped the first topic was a bomb and I did that on purpose to set him up for this right. and so you know I already I already ruined his day at the very beginning and so um and I said well I said um I'm I, I'm gonna need probably to put in a, a leave of absence here in about five months and he goes you going on vacation <laughs> and I was like no um I said, I'm pregnant. And the look on his face, just, wow, you know, could just like, it reminded me of the chicken nugget guy, you know, just like, he, he couldn't speak. It was so funny. And I just started smiling. He goes, oh, you suck. <laughs> you could have given that poor guy a heart and attack. I, I did. And I, you know, I had him laughing so hard. It was hilarious. And I said, you know, this is the part where I ask you for a raise. He goes, this is granted, whatever you want. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you got me so good. It was great. <laughs> He's like, that totally made my day. <laughs> Especially when you said, just kidding. I, I never said it. I just smiled. <laughs> He's probably still worried, like, oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so, but April Fool's jokes in yeah, the best place. Was that's the another ever. <laughs> <laughs> Hook, line, and sinker. I mean, just the whole way. All right, my dear. Thank you again so much for joining thank us. This so is fantastic. I, I can't wait to have you back on another time. Thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful. And continue to rock on, Miss Brenda. Will do. Okay. 
practice of human resources doesn't have to be as arduous as it may appear. In the short time that we've been together today, we've weeded through a few topics that make the landscape of HR a moving target. I'm here to help you define your gold standard in human capital management, help you solve complex problems that come with employment and managing your people, and help you keep in the know on current or developing changes in the employment landscape. So I've been very excited to in, when waiting to introduce something new uh, to the show. Um, this is a project that uh, some friends of mine and I have been working on and we have developed a leadership development course. And the two friends that I've worked on are both retired Command Master Chief Navy SEALs. Um, this is a really a, a phenomenal training program <clears throat> that we put together and we believe that effective impactful leaders are not born, they're forged. And so therefore we are calling the program, this particular course, Forge. Our course provides a system of learning that is going to help you raise to a new level of confidence in your leadership skills. In the course, participants will be able to develop an understanding of the Navy SEAL mindset, participate in team building experiences unlike any course offered in the market today, engage in a unique and proven approach to addressing decreased productivity, turnover, team conflict, and resistance to change, as well as receive guidance on effective talent development solutions that can be deployed at the enterprise, group, and individual levels. So this class is going to be taking place starting as a three-day course starting May 1st. So we are right now <clears throat> have everything open for people to apply and register for the course. So here's what I need you to do. First off, if you're interested in participating, I need you to go to bestpractices.work, click on, click on the forged link up at the top of the menu, and submit your application. That's the very first thing that you're going to need to do. Once your application is submitted and reviewed, we're going to reach back out to you and talk to you about next steps. The other thing I need you to do is that if you know of somebody, if you're not able to go, but you know of somebody that this could be beneficial towards, please let them know about this course. We are now <clears throat> taking registrations. There's only a limited number of seats for this. It's not going to be a very big class, and the reason being is that we are going to be providing learning opportunities in an environment that it's not going to work with big groups. It's only going to work with small groups. So we have one seat that's already filled. We've got just a couple more, so like a handful of these more left, and we're going to need we're going to need to get the word out there, and that's what we're doing today. So if you know somebody that would be able to benefit from this, again, get them to the website, have them go ahead and fill out the information. If you guys have questions, just don't hesitate to reach out to me, and I look forward to seeing everybody uh, putting in their name in the hat for this one. Something new I'm introducing to the podcast show is a, a question and answer segment. I would very much like to hear your questions that you have about the, anything in the field of HR. Uh, we have a submission form on the website. Visit bestpractices.work and click on the podcast link from the menu. And down towards the bottom of that web page is a submission form for you to post your questions. Your question will sent, be sent directly to me and it may be read and answered on an upcoming episode. So as promised earlier in the show today, got a couple of free resources for you. We're continuing to provide you with the Strikeforce Energy Drink bonus offering. We mentioned Strikeforce Energy Drinks in our most recent podcast. And being that this past couple months we spoke about wellness, <clears throat> we're going to give you an opportunity to continue to save money while you kick the can to other energy drinks in the market. Strikeforce Energy is a sugar-free, no-calorie, healthier alternative to other energy drinks on the market. You can choose from their individual packets or their pump bottles found in four different flavors. 
visit StrikeForceEnergy.com and enter the new and updated code AFLBRENDA455. That is A is in Alpha, F is in Foxtrot, L is in Lima, my name Brenda, 455, to receive 20% off the retail price of Strikeforce. You can also find more information about Strikeforce on our affiliates page at bestpractices.org. Lastly, I know how confusing it is to keep track of all the compliance deadlines required in this field, as well as how and when to find the time to engage in all the other proactive HR pieces. I've created an HR calendar for 2019 that lists all the compliance deadlines to relieve the tension of having to figure these things out for yourself. The calendar includes mandatory filing deadlines, nationally recognized holidays, as well as a few best practice recommendations sprinkled in. It's a bunch of compliance information consolidated onto one page. Print it, pin it up in your office, and then use it as a tool to keep all your pizza parts and pieces of HR puzzle connected. To download this free tool, visit the website at bestpractices.org and click on the link at the bottom of the page. And don't forget, I'd love to hear from you. If you're struggling with a particular HR issue, reach out. That's my job. I'm here to help you be successful. It's what I do. So the best place to start is the website. Again, that's bestpractices.org. <clears throat> Set time up, schedule a 20-minute call with me, and let's talk about your challenges or your questions or your problems. Request a needs analysis meeting to identify strategic opportunities aligning with your business objectives as well. Now, you may not have anything significant to speak with me about, or scheduling a call just doesn't necessarily make sense right, right now, but if you like what you heard today and you know you need to stay up on important changes and continue to get advice on how to work with them, then visit bestpractices.org, click subscribe, and sign up today to have my best practices delivered to your inbox. Now, before we leave, we got the quote of the episode, and we're going to close on this note. The most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I'm going to talk to you again soon.